Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. John chapter 11. I'm thankful to be here tonight, and as always, I'm thankful for the privilege to uh, stand behind this desk and speak to the greatest people in the world, in my opinion. I'm thankful that God put me in the church and called me to the church, but I'm even more thankful that He put me in this church. There's no place I'd rather be with and with the people that I love most. Praise the Lord. The book of John, chapter 11, and I'll have some lengthy reading tonight, more so than I normally would, but I feel it necessary to kind of bring home the point that I'm, with the help of the Lord, that I'm going to try to do tonight. So if you'll bear with me with the reading. John 11 and 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And if you'll go down with, to verse 17 with me. Verse 17, the same chapter. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nine to Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And finally, if you will move down to verse 39 with me. Verse 39 of the same chapter. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. 
And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I, I know the, link, the reading was lengthy. But we've just sort of capsulized a a long story, really, in just a few uh, short minutes of what Jesus was attempting to do. And for the next few minutes, I'm just going to speak to us from this subject, faith resurrected, faith resurrected. If you will bow your heads and let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time tonight. Father, I'm so grateful for the privilege to be in your house tonight. I'm thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to come and join together in worship and praise and adoration. And now it's come the appointed time in this service, God, for your word to go forth. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and help us to receive what thus saith the Lord. And we'll forever give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the whole house said amen. I don't typically like to give the devil status or, or any power whatsoever that he may have but we have to recognize that he is a supernatural being the devil is he is the ruler of all the darkness as God is the ruler of light and all the forces of heaven the devil rules and reigns in darkness so everything on this earth concerning mankind is ultimately about worship all of this battle is over the hearts of men and women. Who will you worship and who will you serve? Because you will serve whoever you worship. God must be worshipped intentionally, acknowledging Him and honoring Him. Many of us tonight may have just come from work and we've been in a rush and we've gotten ready and we've come here with intention. That intention is to praise and, and worship Him and serve Him because we love Him. And so we want to show Him our love. But Satan, on the other hand, does not demand or require that same love and devotion and intentionally in your worship and your service. Rather, though, it's fear, it's doubt, it's confusion, it's resentment. It's criticism, it's hate, it's jealousy, it's bitterness, and it's hopelessness. That's what the devil receives as worship. So he will create conditions and circumstances and problems and hardships and sickness and loss and a host of other things in order to get our attention and our affection away from God. And almost any reaction that you have outside of intentionally worshiping, glorifying God, the devil will steal for himself and identify it as worship. So that we know he creates circumstances to produce feelings of negativity such as fear and frustration and confusion. And he will take that as worship. So when you find yourself bitter, angry, jealous, mad, whatever negative situation or, or 
thought that you may have, make no mistake about it, you are giving the devil his pleasure. You, you are giving him worship. Now, I, I'm sure that all of us have looked at a situation that had perhaps done, stamped on it, or finished. It's the end. It's hopeless. And we might as well give up. And I, I think if we would be honest with ourselves this, tonight, for some, it's been more than once. And when we look at this story in the Bible, we see the end. It's hopeless. There's a terminal illness. And many may look at it and say, well, just forget, forget it. It's, it's over. And Mary and Martha watched their brother Lazarus as he became sick. And they watched as the life drained from his body. And as the sickness worsened, he became weaker and weaker. And as Lazarus began to deteriorate, so did the hope of Mary and Martha. It began to slip away. But they did have one last hope, and they said that we must send for Jesus because Jesus can heal him, and he can stop this plague of death. So they sent Jesus, but we know from our reading that he didn't come. And we've all been in that situation. And there's some that are perhaps in that tonight. You've been praying, and you've been praying, and believing for a change, and all that has happened has gotten worse. Jesus hasn't showed up. He hasn't come through for you. I do admit that there, this is where this story causes some confusion. Jesus has gotten the message, so now he knows that Lazarus is terminally ill. He knows that all their hopes are that he will come before Lazarus dies, and that Jesus will heal him. But we read in our story where Jesus deliberately waits until he knows that Lazarus has died. Then he says to the disciples, our friend Lazarus is asleep. I must go and wake him up. I think we could rightly assume that in the humanity of Jesus, I, I believe that he wanted to rush to Lazarus. We know without a doubt that he, he loved him. And he would have really desired to go immediately to him and heal him. But Jesus said of himself, I only speak what I hear my father speak. And I only do what I see my father do. So now we can understand that the reluctance of Jesus to rush to Lazarus' side came from his acting in obedience to the will of the father. Now I personally believe that that was very hard on Jesus, the humanity side of him, to not drop everything that he was doing and run to heal Lazarus. So why the delay? The delay is for the greater glory of Jesus Christ. If Jesus would have rushed to Lazarus and kept him from dying, so many of the unbelieving Jews would have said, well, he really wasn't that sick. He just recovered and it was just a coincidence that Jesus prayed for him before his recovery. And here is something that we often rarely recognize. When we are crying out for a miracle or a healing or a breakthrough or a restoration or a deliverance, our intention and our intensity and our focus are all centered on that need. You ever hit your hand or hit your thumb with a hammer? When you do that, what are you thinking about at that moment? Nothing. Your full attention is on that thumb. That's all you can think about is the pain that it has caused. And whether you dance around in a circle crying ooey, 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 or whatever it may be, 
Your attention is solely focused on that. And so it is with situations in our life. We find ourselves engulfed with life and things can go wrong. And so we get focused on those things. And we assume that, that since that is where our full attention is, surely that must be where God is focusing His attention to. Of course God cares about our need. Of course he, he feels our pain and our sorrow. But what we must recognize and understand is that God is a multitasker. You want His full attention on meeting your needs. Well, hold on just a minute because God's ultimate desire is to grow us up, to reveal Himself more fully to us, to mature our faith, and ultimately to be glorified. He cares about your situation but that's not his greatest concern. His greatest concern is to be glorified. And we think God is completely occupied with our need. And that's what we want. But God is even more committed to grow in our faith. And our confidence in him. Can you prove that Jerry? I, I think I can. Jesus could have arrived before Lazarus died and healed him. But he didn't. Because God was going for greater glory. You see, the greater glory is Lazarus being raised from the dead. And that's true. But Jesus was after resurrection faith also. You see, Mary and Martha both had, we believe you can heal him faith. But when Lazarus died, so did their faith. Jesus deliberately waited for two days and now we take a look at this spiritual realm and we get a glimpse of what's happening when you pray and you don't see any change. And sometimes it feels like God isn't even listening. But He is. Jesus waited for Lazarus to die in order to solicit a dead-raising faith in Martha and Mary. And when Lazarus died, they turned the switch of faith off and they said, it's over. It's finished. I don't believe anymore. And they rolled the stone over the door. That stone was not just a boulder blocking the door to Lazarus' tomb. That stone was a gravestone that said, Here lies the faith of Mary and Martha. I wonder how many times in our lives we faced a situation and we've prayed and prayed, but to no avail, no answer from God, and we roll the stone over the proverbial door and we say, It's done. It's finished and we give up on that or we give up on God. And the stone says we believed up to this point, but our faith ended right here where God didn't answer. And there may be some at that point tonight. You may be in the very act of rolling the stone against the door and calling whatever it is done in your life. But tell your neighbor to hold on. Tell your neighbor to hold on. When Jesus came, they did not rush to meet Him with passionate living faith. They met Him with frustration. They met Him with disappointment and even some resentment. How many has ever been disappointed in the Lord? Three of us. But Martha and Mary were disappointed. Their feelings were hurt. And they actually scolded Jesus by saying, if you would have got here sooner, our brother would not be dead. But let's be fair to them. We would be upset too. If we believed that we could be healed with just one spoken word 
and I'll bring it down to something maybe we can grasp. If there was a physician in the house or a doctor and you had an immediate need and just with something he could do would heal you or solve that and he didn't do it, how would you feel? We'd resent him. We'd be angry. We'd be frustrated. And we've all been disappointed at one time or another that God didn't come through when we wanted him to. And so we get upset. We get mad. Sometimes you may even have a little pouting session and poor, poor, pitiful me because you didn't see God answer the need that you're praying. Follow me for a minute because I am going somewhere. If all Jesus was after was to perform a miracle and raise Lazarus from the dead, he would have just said, take me to the grave. In all reality, Jesus didn't even have to be in the same vicinity of that tomb. He, With one spoken word, he could have raised Lazarus from the dead, but he didn't do that. And I know this concept that I'm trying to share with you is going to be, it's hard to swallow because it has been for me more than once and more recently in my life. But we have to get this revelation in our spirits God God loves us dearly he loves you and I but his ultimate reason for everything he does is for his glory absolutely everything that he does is so that he will be glorified it's not about you it's not about me it's not about this church but it's about him being glorified and lifted up he's a he's a jealous God remember Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And that means when He does it, how He does it, where He does it, and who He does it with, or if He doesn't do it at all, everything is determined and decided by the degree of glory that it will bring Him. You ever prayed for a loved one that God didn't heal and passed away? You remember the sickness and the condition and how frail and how weak they may have been. And then they slipped out of this world. And so we think that God didn't hear our cry and God didn't hear our prayer. And so the enemy will sneak up on us and tell us, you have no faith. And if you did have any faith, God wouldn't act on it. Look what you've been praying for for years after years after years but to no avail. Look what you've been fasting over, over and over and over again. But I'll submit to you tonight, when we all get to heaven, and when we get to the other side, where there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more dying, no more death, and no more crying, we're going to see the ones that are healed and have been healed since the day they slipped out of this world and took their last breath. They are healed in Jesus' name. Healed on this side of eternity? No. But they are healed. Jesus heard the cry and He healed them. We come to the point in the story where Lazarus is now dead, but Jesus starts speaking to them about their faith. He says to Mary and Martha, if you believe, then you will see. And why, why is He speaking this way? Surely Jesus knows it's over. Lazarus is dead. The stone is in front of the opening. But the reason he speaks to them about their faith is because they need a faith resurrection. Now I'm sure you have never experienced this, but me personally, I have had very, very weak faith at points in my life. 
The first resurrection that day was the faith of Mary and Martha. And we may be standing or there may be some standing in the same place where Mary and Martha stood. You're looking at a stone in your life that says it's the end. It's hopeless. It's over. It could be your marriage. Maybe it's hanging on by a thread. Maybe it's a relationship between you and your children. Maybe a relationship in your family that has gone awry. It could be physical where it seems that sickness has ruled every day of your life and everything is saying, give up. Pull the plug. You're going to be sick until your dying day. Learn to deal with it. There's no use in wasting your energy or good air to pray about that. It could be a financial struggle where you feel like you're sunk and you can't see your way out or it could be even your ministry. Something happened that sets you back and You thought you should be propelled in one direction, but you find yourself stuck. You find yourself not moving where you thought you could move. And so you've said, well, I've done all I can do for the Lord. And He doesn't seem fit to put me in this position. So I'll give up and I'll quit. And the devil is telling us over and over, you might have blew it. You you might have slipped up. And then let's get to where the rubber meets the road. Maybe we did jump into that bad decision. Maybe we did rush to some wrong assumptions. And, but there is, thank God, forgiveness. We know from the Word of God, if we will confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes you don't slip at all. Sometimes it's jealousy and envy and criticism and it's from people who want to destroy your ministry. And that's one of the saddest things that are in the church today. And I know nobody likes to talk about this, but there's probably more jealousy and envy in the church than there is in the world. For the most part in the world, they have no expectation. They're all in the same boat. But here in the church, we're all seeking to grow closer and closer to God and to do things for the kingdom. And sometimes when you see or you feel in your spirit like somebody's doing more than you, you think, well, why can't I do that? And that's the perfect opportunity for the enemy to creep in and start creating jealousy and envy. And before you know it, you've got a bitter spirit. And now you won't worship. And now you're missing church. And the devil has accomplished the very thing that he set out to accomplish. He was trying to get your attention and your focus off what really mattered. And what really matters is that God be glorified. And if we, we've all been here at some point, and I know this is what the devil is trying to accomplish, not only in our lives, but in this country. He's trying to paint a picture of hopelessness and corruption and make things look so bad that you and I will roll the stone over the door and we will pull the plug on our faith. I don't stick my head in the sand about what's going on around us in this world, but I do not watch the news anymore. It is the most discouraging moments that you can have watching that because this world is full in doom and gloom and that's not a farce. It is a reality. This world is full of doom and gloom. 
But thank God, people talk about the signs of the time. I'm glad the signs of the time are here. I'm ready to see the Lord. And when these, when these things start happening, that just tells me He's coming. He's on the way. I, I don't have to worry about the world and my money and my job and what all, what's all going to take place. All I know is He's going to split the eastern sky and I'm going to hear a trumpet and I'm going to be gone and out of here. And I want to make sure that I'm prayed up, stayed up, fasted up, and ready to go. Because, you see, the devil loves to see people feeling desperate and hopeless. He thrives on your pain and your anger. He, he, he gets so excited when we're frustrated and when we resent. Oftentimes at night, we would... Uh, lay in bed talking and about to go to sleep. Jenny, she would watch these shows on the YouTube, I guess it would be, and one of them was Dr. Pimple Popper. And uh, she really thought that she had missed her call and that she was a dermatologist and could do all that. And I could, she'd try to show me some of that, and I, it would curl my stomach, and I would <laughs> say no. But another that she often watched was about a medical, medical emergency team. Many times these paramedics would rush to a scene and the patient would have a cardiac arrest or they'd be dead. But you know, in all those times that she showed me that and I looked at it, I never heard one paramedic say, well, it's over. Let's put them up here, shut the doors and be done with it. No. Even though they were dead, they got the electric paddles out and they shocked their heart and got it beating again. I, I know not always successful, but no, most times they would get that heart beating again. In other words, many patients live because the paramedic didn't quit. We've heard countless stories about people dying and somebody giving them CPR and refused to quit. People being dead for minutes. And because someone would not lose hope and would not give up and keep trying, they lived. All of a sudden, while they're doing this, when this patient is dead and they've, they've put those shock cushions on them or those shock paddles on them, this flat line that has once been flat now jumps. And then something happens they call a conversion. That's what the paramedic term is. We have conversion. And I thought back on this just the other day, and I said, that's, that's an amazing encouragement. You may be praying for your spouse. Maybe you've prayed for your children for years. And when you see them, you see a flat line. You see nothing. God's not hearing your prayers. There is no response from heaven. Perhaps instead of seeing those loved ones maybe get better and feel like they're drawn to the church, they're getting further and further away. And the devil wants you to call it over. And he wants to say, well, it's done. I might as well quit wasting time and energy and move on to something else. But I submit to you tonight, if you don't hear nothing I say tonight, hear this. Get you some Holy Ghost paddles out and keep praying. Keep fasting because it could be one more prayer. One more prayer that brings them to the house and brings them to an altar where they're forgiven of their sins and the Lord forgives them and fills them with the Holy Ghost. And some people are a little more stubborn. It takes a little more voltage. 
I have heard my mother audibly say she prayed for God to make me miserable. And he did just that. I couldn't sleep at night. I was tormented with nightmares. Uh, I had bad anxiety. The more I'd try to run from God, the worse it got. So it may be time for you to pull out all the stops. But be careful what you pray for. Because God may just well give it to you. But if you want to see your children saved, if you want to see your lost loved ones saved, it's time to start praying some prayers you never thought you would pray. Whatever it takes, God, I don't care. Would you just save their soul? May cost them some hearing. May cost them their life. May cost them a limb. But if we pray, God, save their soul and not give up, He will hear. The point is, no matter what it looks like or feels like, don't give the devil any pleasure. Don't give him an ounce of attention. You just keep praising. You just keep praising and you keep praying. I refuse to give the devil one crumb to rejoice in me. My, my hope is for my healing. My hope is for my deliverance. My hope is for a breakthrough. And my hope is for a miracle. I, I've had the enemy in the last couple of years of my life perch himself up on my shoulder and tell me it's over. The life that you know it is, is done. But I refuse. I have fought against that and I refuse and I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I will not allow the enemy and we should never allow the enemy. Don't, don't let the enemy steal your joy. Don't let the enemy steal your Holy Ghost. You've worked too hard for this. You have years and years and years dedicated in this, some of us. Some of us have spent a lifetime in church. Why would you let the devil in one moment, one swoop, take away everything that you've worked for? My hope is in God, and I don't believe for one minute it's over for me, it's over for you, or over for anyone under the sound of my voice. In our reading, there we finally come to a spark, and faith comes back alive for Mary and Martha. And they say, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And that is what Jesus needs, because faith is the determining factor for everything. He moves and operates on our faith. Jesus tells them to take away the stone, and again, Mary and Martha's faith waver. Lord, he's, he's been dead four days. I'm sure he's going to stink when we open that up. And this is like us saying, Lord, we got it. We believe you can do this. We really do. But to tell you the truth, we, we've kind of moved on. We don't really want to stir this up again. We've, we've accepted the fact that this miracle that we've prayed for is never going to happen. But in the story, Jesus jolts them back to the, their faith confession. And he said, did not I say that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And what he is saying is, I'm not afraid of the stink. I can handle it no matter how bad it is. And I wonder how many would be honest enough to say that you're glad that Jesus didn't let the stink stop him. I, I, was, I was at the bottom of the barrel. Not, not to point a camera at me, but I was at the bottom of the barrel. When I tell you I stunk, I stunk. But Jesus waded through all of the stench. 
He waited through all of the circumstances that was around me. It didn't phase him. It didn't bother him. And he extended his hand to me. Brother Larry, I wouldn't embarrass you for one minute in the world. But aren't you thankful that the stink of that jail cell didn't prevent him from reaching down on you? Giving you one more chance to serve him and love him. It's because he loves us enough that he hung on the cross and we can see that. We understand that. But sometimes when I think of what He's done for me and how He saved my soul, and I don't know why. I don't know why He wouldn't give up on me. And you may wonder why He didn't give up on you, but it's because He loves us. Unconditionally, He loves us. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. Jesus cries with a loud voice, Lazarus, Come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now, I, I, I don't know what Lazarus means for you today. It could be a relationship that looks and feels like it's dead. It could be hopes and dreams at your future. It may be very well your walk with God. You... You may be so far away from God that you don't even feel His presence anymore. I could stand up here till midnight and create a list. and I don't know what Lazarus means to you. But I know what it means to me. And you know what it means to you. But what I see in this story is this. There is a situation that is screaming hopeless. Lazarus is dead. But Jesus is saying, hold on. Hold on. It's not over yet. I, I, I don't believe it's over. You just hang on. And I don't know who this is for today. I'm just preaching from my heart. But there are some situations in some people's lives that are looking hopeless. And the devil is pushing hard to get you to throw in the towel and say it's over so he can roll the stone over that door. But I feel the Holy Ghost saying if we will believe, if we will agree that it's not over. We will see the glory of God. And we need to know that the miracle is much bigger than just you and I. I want you to look at these verses as I'm closing. In John 12 and verse 1. Then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany. Where Lazarus was which had been dead. Whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. And get this, go down to verse 9. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. Now what is this saying? God had his plan laid out the whole time. The, the, the death of Lazarus did not catch him by surprise. He, he knew exactly what he was going to do. And God is setting the stage for something for some people that is undisputable and undeniable. Many that wouldn't listen to your words. Many that said, why are you still praying? It's, it's never going to come to fruition. Your kids is never going to serve the Lord. Your husband, he's, he, he's never coming to church with you. Why are you still praying for God to heal you of that sickness? He's not going to do that. That's, that's terminal. You're cursed with that the rest of your life. But many came to see not Jesus, but they came to see Lazarus 
because he's a miracle man. And there are miracles all in this house and all the way by way of internet. If you're watching tonight, there is a miracle in your life if you will just Hold on and let your faith be resurrected. The one who was dead for four days and was raised from the dead and they left there believing. I want to ask you to stand with me. He is not just the God of enough. He's the God of too much. When we allow God, He will pour His Spirit out and He can do things for us that, that we can't even imagine. Today, and I've done a lot of writing today, and in prayer, I, the Holy Ghost impressed on me something that we're going to close out here with, and I, I just need you to help me with this. I want us to, to gather around the front or, or either in the aisles, and I want you to find somebody that you, if it's your spouse, if it's a friend, whoever, but I want you to pair up, if you will, in twos or threes. And I want you to... Tell the individual you're with what miracle you're wanting. What, what, is it, what is it that you're asking God to do in your life? And I want you to share with them what you need and them share with you what you're needing. For the next few minutes, we're going to bind together in the Holy Ghost. And don't, don't just pray for your need. You pray for their need. And let's believe that God is going to do something miraculous for us here tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Father, for the privilege that you've given us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.